Please uh, open your Bibles to Luke 2, Luke chapter 2. Um, speaking of singing angels, we're going to look at a few this morning. Uh, while you're doing that, um, you may recall from last week, we're looking at the ridiculous hope of Christmas. And uh, we're calling it uh, ridiculous because it's a hope that rests on such a series of incredible events uh, from Genesis through Revelation, but even events wrapped around the Christmas story all by itself. And so some would look at those events, uh, whether biblical Genesis through Revelation or just the Christmas story, and they would say, wow, that is just so amazing, it's just ridiculous. And some may look at it all and they may use ridiculous in a more preposterous sense of the word that, my goodness, uh, virgin birth and singing angels and shepherds, which we'll look at this morning, and that's just um, ridiculous. And one of the questions we're asking is, um, to all of us is uh, this Christmas, whether for the first time uh, or whether once again, um, inviting us to ask, ask ourselves, what, what will we do uh, in response to this ridiculous hope of Christmas? Last week, uh, we took a look at Joseph and Mary, remember, and uh, looked at how they responded. You remember uh, the ridiculous, incredible things that happened to them. Angels, of all things, came and talked to Mary and Joseph and, and told them that Mary would become pregnant while still a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, that she would give birth to the Son of God, no less, and oh, by the way, that he would save his people from their sins. It's like, well, is that all? And that's just incredible. And in response to that incredible, ridiculous news, we saw how Joseph and Mary responded by saying, I'm available and I'm willing to serve, even though it meant great sacrifice for each of them and both of them. And then we asked of ourselves, how will we respond to this incredible, ridiculous hope of Christmas? Will we, re will we respond like Joseph and Mary did, by being available and willing to serve our amazing God no matter what it takes? And we'll keep asking that question, how will we respond to the ridiculous hope offered at Christmas? We saw how Joseph and Mary did, and this morning, if your Bibles are open by now to Luke chapter 2, I want to take a look at the response of shepherds when they heard the ridiculous, incredible news. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, just before the shepherd's story, because Luke gives us an intentional and an important context, I think. See what you think. Luke 2, chapter 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there... The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that's happened, which the Lord's told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These are the very words of God. Amen? Shepherds and singing angels. What an incredible sight it must have been. And the context that Luke gives us for this um, shepherd story. In a word, the context is Rome. In a name, Caesar Augustus. Rome, the most powerful empire, and Caesar, the most powerful person in the world that first Christmas. And it's in that context that the angels come to of all people, a bunch of shepherds watching sheep in the night. And the contrast that Luke gives us between Rome and Caesar and the shepherds couldn't be greater. One commentator writes, there are no more normal Joes in ancient culture than the shepherds. And shepherds were just that. They were normal. They were as lowly and as humble and as average as you could possibly get. They were predominantly women and children, did you know? Two groups often overlooked and forgotten in ancient cultures. But not overlooked and forgotten by God because they get the angelic news and singing heavenly host, not Rome, not Caesar. The angels say to these wide-eyed, terrified women and children, a Savior has been born to you, they say to them. To you. Do you suppose any of them thought, wait, to us? Are you, uh, are you angels sure you got the right address for this singing telegram of yours? 
Rome is west. You think those shepherds maybe looked at each other even as they're hearing the news or listening to the angelic song? Are they looking at each other and just like poking each other and say, to us? Not only is he born, but he's born to us? Our Savior? In the days of Caesar Augustus? And Luke makes his intended contrast with Rome and Caesar very sharp and clear. For example, before Jesus was born and all this happened with the angels, guess who, before Jesus had his birth officially announced by the angels, guess who before Jesus had their birth officially announced with a report of good news and a Good news report that a Savior had arrived, have arrived, had arrived. Guess who before Jesus? Hmm. Caesar Augustus. Did you know? When Caesar Augustus was born some 60 years before Jesus, the Roman Senate reported good news, same word. The Savior, same word, has arrived. And so Luke just so happens to mention Augustus in the immediate context of telling us the story of angels who just so happen to use the same buzzwords of Augustus' birth announcement to refer to Jesus. Not Caesar, but Jesus, telling the shepherds as plain as day, listen, you want good news and you want a Savior? It isn't Caesar Augustus. The real good news and the real Savior, well, he's laying in a manger of all places in Bethlehem, right over that hill. And he's your good news, your Savior. We don't need to tell you that Augustus isn't. And then to complete the contrast with Rome, the angels even have the audacity to sing of peace on earth, which was Rome's bumper sticker. Rome was the one known for bringing Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. As if to say, those angels, you know, Rome's peace is one thing, but you haven't seen anything like the peace that your good news savior Brings. Do you ever feel overlooked or forgotten? Well, let me tell you something. The Savior born in Bethlehem that night, he's born to you. Our God never overlooks or forgets anyone. In fact, He specializes in finding and remembering, especially those the world overlooks, including a bunch of shepherds in some forlorn field outside of Bethlehem. So the next time you feel unimportant, remember the angels who came to the unimportant to announce the good news Savior is born to you. 
The angels brought good news to a bunch of average Joes. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people, including those lowly shepherds and including you and me. I imagine the shepherds um, were moved deeply that God would present to them such an amazing spectacle and even more that he would bring this incredible news to them. And there was quite possibly even something more opening those shepherds' hearts that night, something more in context than simply the contrast between Rome and Caesar. Another contextual piece going on that night. Many scholars believe that the time of year of Jesus' birth was during the Feast of Tabernacles, or called Sukkot, which takes place in late September or early October. I, I happen to share that opinion. There are many biblical clues in Luke 2 and elsewhere pointing to that time of year at Sukkot for Jesus' birth. Our Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters, for example, who catch these cultural biblical clues very quickly, they believe without a doubt that Sukkot is the time of Jesus' birth. Now, I'm not going to take the time this morning to show you why I think they're correct. I've suggested this to you, I know, in years gone by. But for the sake of argument this morning, just suppose with me, just suppose that Jesus was born in the fall during Sukkot. What then if he was? Well, if Jesus was born during Sukkot, then right at the time he was born, you know what God's people were doing? God's people were building booths or tents to live in for the coming week. They lived in tents all week. And they did it to remind them, to remind themselves of that more intimate time in centuries gone by when God came down from heaven and lived in the midst of his people in the tabernacle, that big tent in the wilderness. When God was with them, Emmanuel. To remind themselves that time when, when God's glory shined throughout their camp because he was that close, that near. He was with them and he lit the camp. And true, God was at the time of the shepherds living in their temple in Jerusalem, but that whole temple business under the leadership of the Sadducees had grown so commercial, so impersonal and Oh, how God's people during Sukkot especially longed for the day, were nostalgic over the day, back when the glory of the Lord shone around them all because God was with them. And of all the feasts, Sukkot was the feast God had especially designated for great joy. Sukkot is the biblical feast of joy. And guess what a traditional blessing was at Sukkot that people would share with each other 
and even sing throughout the week of Sukkot. You know what that blessing was? It goes something like this. Maybe you've heard it before. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's the Sukkot blessing, even today. And so if Jesus was born during Sukkot, those shepherds, in addition to watching over their sheep, they were celebrating or gearing up to celebrate Sukkot. Probably bringing their sheep into that field near Bethlehem because Bethlehem, only four miles away from Jerusalem, was the number one supplier of sacrificial lambs for the Sukkot sacrifices in the temple during the week. I have little doubt in my own mind that's one reason at least that God chose Bethlehem for the birth of the sacrificial lamb. And so even while the shepherds and all Israel with them were celebrating the feast of joy and remembering and longing for the day when God was with them in the desert and his glory, he was so close, his glory shone around them. And even while they were sharing with each other that Sukkot blessing in song, suddenly for those shepherds, Sukkot came alive right before their very eyes. An angel of the Lord appeared to them And get this, the glory of the Lord shone around them, just like in the tabernacle centuries before. And the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, the Sukkot theme of joy. And then the angel sang the Sukkot blessing. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Those shepherds knew the tune. They were tapping their toe, or their shepherd's staffs along to the rhythm. No wonder John in his gospel tells us that Jesus came and tabernacled among us. So could it be? Did those shepherds dare to hope such a ridiculous hope? God with us again? Emmanuel? And did you hear what he said? One shepherd maybe said to, the, to another. He said, a savior. Messiah is here. And the shepherds respond in their response to something way better than Rome. And moved by Sukkot, perhaps, coming alive again before their eyes. What was their response? First response. Let's go see! Oh, and here's where you've got to at least... Try reading through that text with the historical probability, it's a strong one, that these are women and children especially. I mean, can you picture it? You picture a group of kids out in the field at night, in the middle of the night, watching the family flock. And suddenly an angel shows up. How do you think a kid's going to react? How do you think I'd react? Something like, ah! And then, a host of them. In the Greek here, that word company and that term heavenly host. Elsewhere in the Bible, those are military references used to describe the angelic army of God. 
So them's fighting angels in the field in Bethlehem that night with helmets, swords, shields, chariots. And let me tell you something. Study angels sometime. They don't look like Cupid at Valentine's Day. These are fearsome, amazing beings, and suddenly the sky's filled with them. Now picture those kids. What are they doing now? Run! (laughs) And then, can you hear children in the eager response? Children are so curious. When it's all said and done, can you hear one child turn to Let's go see. Bet we can find them. I'll bet you can't. I'm going to beat you. Okay, let's go. You see, kids? And then when they find them, there they are. Just like the angel said. There's the baby in a manger. The wrapped in cloths part wouldn't have surprised them. They all did that, but the distinct... In an animal trough? It's got to be the one. I told you. And then can you imagine a child? Can you hear a children say, after they had seen him, guess what happened to us? There was this angel, and then there was thousands of them. And they, you see a kid's enthusiasm. So they respond by going to see. It's kind of funny in the text how the, the angel almost takes a parental role there because the angel kind of pushes them to go look, right? Even before they decide to go see, the angel says, and this will be a sign to you. It's like those kids, oh, I think apparently we're supposed to go check it out. And they do. And then after they see, the shepherds spread the word Guess what happened to me? And oh, the incredible, ridiculous word of all that happened to them. And their story amazed everyone. Of course it did. And all the while, and as they returned, the shepherds glorified and praised the Lord. Just like our shepherd children this morning. I'm so blessed that we got to see children sing and praise God. And even use the very words on a morning where we're talking about biblical shepherds. I wonder... I wonder if on the way back to their fields that night, those shepherds sang over and over, back at you, heavenly host, that Sukkot song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Woo! Wait till we tell Jacob, who got the short straw and had to stay with the sheep. And so how will we Respond to the ridiculous hope of Christmas. Like Joseph and Mary, I'm available and I'm willing to serve God no matter the cost. Like the shepherds, let's go see. Guess what happened to me? Oh, praise be the Lord. You know, the shepherd's journey to see this thing that has happened Especially at Christmas should be every person's journey, it seems to me, to see what God is up to in Jesus. Take the opportunity this Christmas, won't you? Whether it's for the first time 
or whether it's one of many years, take the opportunity this Christmas to see again what God is up to in Jesus, what he did out of his great love for you. No matter the average Joe or average Josephine that you might be. And when we take the time to see God, to see that baby, and when we see as the shepherds did that it happened just as he said it would. Oh my goodness, then we, like those shepherds, we ought to spread the word and tell the story, not only of Christmas 2,000 years ago, but of the Christmas in our own lives and what God has done for us and how he has kept his promises just as he said. And all the while, like those shepherds, glorifying and praising the Lord. May that be said of us too, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much for another opportunity to remember, another opportunity to take a close look, maybe the closest look we ever have, at that baby lying in a manger. And, oh, Father, would the sight of it this Christmas especially, would the sight of that miraculous gift of grace and love, would it engender in us an eagerness to go see and to continue after you and to see what you're doing even today in this world and in our lives and those around us. And Father, as we live our lives to tell our story, to tell the Christmas story, to tell the story of you in our lives and how you have blessed and partnered and loved us and all the while, Father, praising and glorifying your holy name. Father, we love you and it's in the name of your Son that we pray, especially this morning, Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning? The um, singing shepherd children inspired me, so I'm going to ask you to sing along uh, with a benediction this morning. I think you know the tune. It's an old hymn. Let me hum it for you or sing a few lines just to get, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. You know it? Okay, two verses with refrains. Can you do it this morning? Let heaven hear us and let this be our benediction this morning, shall we? To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Let's hear it. 
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Reminder for those of you who can stay for our elder nomination. Um, that'll follow shortly thereafter. God bless you all.